Wow. Good morning. <laughs> Just, yeah. Oh, it's so good to be here. So good to see your faces. Uh, it's so exciting to get together. And I do have the privilege of uh, preaching. I'm praying, praying with Daniel today. Um, and it's, it is so nice to be in here in person as well. Uh, I do quite a lot of uh, delivery of training for work. And I'm doing an awful lot of that instead in front of a computer screen by myself, which has pros and cons. So on the one hand, I get to gesticulate and I get to make jokes and just assume that people are laughing at them. Uh, but otherwise, uh, there's not too much feedback. So I'm looking forward to the, the feedback and seeing your smiles and all that kind of thing. So it is a privilege. We are on a journey throughout the year, uh, learning to pray again in lots of ways. And it's been quite a journey. We've, we've covered some big names so far. I think it was the last one, just before summer, that Don was preaching on uh, Hezekiah's prayer. Um, and he said, although he can't remember saying this, so I may claim this as my own quote. But he just said, I'm increasingly convinced that the point of prayer is just to show up. Wow. <laughs> just, and actually, I found that really releasing because... You know, over, I'm a computer scientist. I, I kind of need a formula. I need a, the mechanics that if I do this, this, and this, you know, God will answer. Mm-hmm. And we're just realizing it just doesn't work like that. We've just got to show up, uh, which is quite freeing for me today. So I don't have a formula for you. Uh, but as we go and look at the life of Daniel, I hope we've got some encouragement and inspiration. So that's the goal. Um, as I approach a talk, Uh, In the back of my mind, I've got this idea of what's the Monday morning test of the talk as well. So what's the difference uh, for tomorrow? So maybe if I can just throw that out at the beginning, you know, what's what's the Monday morning test for you? As you listen to this, what difference is it going to make for you tomorrow? For me, honestly, I think we've done most of it this morning already, but um, the red lights, you know what? I want to see those broken through. I just put, I want to pray bigger. Mm-hmm. But actually, we've covered loads of that this morning already. So on to Daniel. I thought it's hot. Let's get some interaction going and see how we go. Uh, the book of Daniel is amazing, right? We'll get into the prayer, uh, but we, we're kind of blessed with quite a lot of narrative. We understand a bit about who this guy is. So throw some thoughts out. When you think of uh, the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, uh, what do you think of? What stands out to you? Let's see. Sorry? Lion's Den. Lion's Den. So, well known story. But what was the background to that one? He was praying three times a day. They wanted to shut him down, they wanted to stop him, and he carried on. So, he got courage in there as well. He kept going. He was thrown in the Lion's Den, and obviously, the, the miracle of being able to come out the other side of that. What else? Death be different. Dare to be different. Yeah, absolutely. So he was an exile in a different culture, and yet he, he really did stand out, didn't he? Sorry? Listening to God rather than man. Listening to God rather than man. Yeah, cool. That's brilliant. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Really good. We'll come on to that a bit more as well. Awesome. Wisdom and extraordinary spirit. Yeah, so, so yeah, really good. Uh, wisdom, does it actually say that? Extraordinary spirit. I think there's a, a phrase used about him. But yes, absolutely. He was advisor to emperors over decades. Amazing. The writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall. 
uh, well-known yeah, pictures. So again, the courage to go and stand and say, <clears throat> your empire is over. <laughs> uh, amazing. Maybe really, really engaged with this culture. Really engaged with the culture. That took a position of significance within mm. it and, and therefore brought God into a culture that was God-less. Absolutely. So a significant position brought God into a culture that was God-less. Enduring and courage. Sorry? Enduring. Enduring and courage. Enduring and courage. Definitely courageous. Endured. Yeah. We'll come on to that one as well. I think one more. We'll go with one more. Yeah, I was saying, I was saying he was fully committed despite the culture he was in. And God had given him gifts of interpretation. Yes. And, uh, and prophecy. And he wasn't afraid to yeah, be the word of God. When they came to him, uh, he said, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I don't want roads. Sorry, I might have been No, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> but uh, I'm not, uh, but it was giving glory to God. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's quite a lot in what you've said there. But yeah, absolutely, quite profound gifts, uh, which you did use uh, for the glory of God. Yeah, really good. Uh, right, cool, that's enough interaction. You can uh, <laughs> go into passive mode now. <laughs> Just listen, please. <laughs> Uh, but it's really interesting, actually, as I just thought, because the story is really, you know, it's one we resonate with, and, it, and I think it sets the background to the prayer that we're going to go into. I do remember, you know, even before Simon and I went to university, as a teenager, you know, we were taught about Daniel as a man of integrity, being able to stand out, as you say, uh, for Jesus in a, uh, a culture that just didn't know about God. And so that stayed with me. Uh, you know, the, a young man that was pretty radical. But with our prayer today, we're going to chapter 9. It's probably the less thumbed bit of uh, Daniel in the midst of those um, yeah, the prophecies we were talking about, ap- apocalyptic visions. So, Daniel 9. Um, so, it looks like people have got that one ready, or maybe on your, your app. Um, it's quite long. I'll kind of take a few parts as we go through and hopefully we'll get the big picture. But Daniel 9, let's uh, start off with uh, the promise. Daniel 9, 1 to 3. In the first year of Darius, the son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. So that starts off our chapter. I don't know if you're one of the people that maybe have a fridge magnet on your fridge or maybe you've got the postcards with the verses on them. Um, that, you know, so we've got one. Well, um, you know, a well-known one for, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. There weren't many knobs with the fridge magnet thing, so I might be talking about a kind of unusual analogy here. But I do wonder if Daniel had, um, you know, on his fridge, (laughs) something a bit like that. So, 
We're kind of just going to look at the context of the context of the prayer, if you follow my train of thought. This is from Jeremiah 29. And I just want to step, I don't know if you know the wider context of this verse. It's really interesting. So Daniel is looking back to the scriptures, a promise, based on a prophecy from Jeremiah. And we find this in Jeremiah 29. It is a letter. It is a letter written to the exiles. So that would include people like Daniel. So I I like to picture this on his fridge. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. On to verse 7. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So he really gave himself to the culture he was in. Verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, that's where the 70 comes from, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Suddenly the verse we know well has a richer context, doesn't it? For I know the plans I have for you. Can you imagine the goosebumps on Daniel? Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me. And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. And gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you. It's like a 15-year-old when he went into exile. Can you imagine the impact of this? His world has been completely turned upside down. He's thrown out the land, the nation destroyed, a place of worship destroyed, his identity destroyed. Yeah, what did he think of that promise of restoration to come in 70 years? And I can imagine him getting that one out every so often and, and going back to it. And, and you know, it's, it's amazing to think about his life, isn't it? We see him working with emperor after emperor. So Nebuchadnezzar, first of all, but then uh, onto Belshazzar. So that was the writing on the wall bit. That's at the age of about 60. So I still think of this guy as a young man, you know, when I read the book of Daniel. No, he was 60. And he was still going for it, still being courageous. The age of 60. Do you think he's counted down? 25 years to go. 25. Then on to Darius the Mede. And that's the context for where we are now. Daniel 9. It's about 80. Wow. About 80. And he's still holding on to the promise. Can you imagine that growing anticipation? (laughs) So, you know what? That Jeremiah 29 passage, I think it's probably a promise for all of us, isn't there? There's bits in there. But, you know, it was something I've got on a postcard. That bit, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. And that, that phrase, I will be found by you, resonates with me strongly. But we moved house just over a year ago. I had that postcard on a notice board. That notice board is still somewhere <laughs> hidden <laughs> in storage, and I haven't got it out. And it was really interesting as I thought through this talk what promises maybe have just gone into storage and just need dusting off a little bit. Yeah. So I go back to fridge magnets. You know, which ones of yours have gone into 
storage or need dusting off. What? And, and I'm thinking those lifelong promises, the ones that you give yourself from a 15-year-old through to an 80-year-old, what are you going to lay hold of for your whole life? So, you, prom- you know, I like to think of him at the age of 80, he's praying three times a day, as we said. He's praying towards Jerusalem, specifically, it says. Is he praying for this restoration every day? Amazing. We don't know. We do just see a glimmer of that in chapter 9. And so, well, he takes that promise, and this guy prays. And that's where we come on to intercession for the, uh, yeah, the next bit. Of course, we read verses 4 to 5. This ends up being quite a long part of the prayer. If the prayer is 15 verses long, we've got about 11 verses. Are all just focusing first on intercession, actually confessing on behalf of his people. So let me read 4 to 5. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly and rebelled, turned aside from your commandments and rules. It carries on and on. I was trying to work out how to, to kind of give you a summary of all of this. As I say, this is largely then a prayer of confession. And I'm there, I'm preparing to talk. We live under new covenant. I want to get onto the exciting bits, you know. We know that through the miracle of Jesus' death, you know, we don't have to stay in that place of sin. And I want to get onto Jesus' death and resurrection, you know. Um, that gulf of sin that he's about to confess has been closed. We, we could be excited about that. But I'm held back as I read through this. We've got 11 verses that go through this process of, of confession. Mm. Uh, if I'm, maybe if you've got, got your Bibles, draw your attention to uh, verses 7 to 10. So what we've got up there. I've gone specifically for the ESV version. It's got quite a nice uh, phrase to it. And for me, this, this really summarises what Daniel's doing in terms of intercession. So verse 7. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. But to us, open shame as at that day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel, those who are near, those who are far away, and in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To you, the Lord our God, belong mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him. I just really like that kind of toing and throwing between seeing who God is, you know, such an awesome God, we sang today. That place, it's a place of encounter, isn't it? First, the righteousness of God. He's in exile, right? He doesn't like being thrown out of the nation, but he's recognising the righteousness of God in this. And then it goes to, there's quite a lot of words in there I fully appreciate on a hot day. But to us, open shame. And he uses this phrase, open shame, twice. But then goes back to, but you are merciful and forgiving as well. This, for me, was just a a really interesting picture of intercession. One of the things I've valued through um, the previous talks, again, Dom's was very similar with the talk on Hezekiah. The first thing, uh, the, the context of that one was that they were under attack by a massive army. First thing they do, 
they acknowledge the reality of the situation. They get the letter from uh, the invading army and they put it before God. And Daniel's very similar here. It's just acknowledging the reality of the situation. And I found this quite a freeing thing. It's like completely offload to God, completely offload to God. And 11 verses of this, he keeps going. But the phrase open chain for me takes Daniel's prayer just to another level for me because that word open is actually, the underlying word is face. So you've, you've got shame on the faces and you can picture them, can't you, in exile. They can, you see, you know, that's another, uh, another Israelite. But they're, they're carrying shame because they're not in their home country. They're not able to worship their God. They're carrying that shame. So for me, that was a, a far more felt thing on behalf of his people. And for me, that was therefore quite an, a powerful um, expression of what intercession really is. To be able to intervene on behalf of people was that process of taking a bit of time, holding up, in this case, his people group before God, I'm really feeling their situation, giving it to God, giving it to God, before we get on to the request. So I found that quite a challenge. Um, I do find it quite a challenge. It takes a little bit of time. Um, but just not to quick, too quickly rush on to, should we say, the request. But actually that place of intercession is to be uh, in that with the people that, that you're holding up before God. So, you know, I'm challenged. I've got my own things that I would want to bring to God. But, you know, for you, what person... What people group, maybe what cause are those that you're going to continue to intercede on? So it's only at that point then that we are actually onto the request, as it were, of the prayer. So we've gone through the, the promise, uh, the intercession, um, and then the, the crux of it, the, the point of it is the request. So verses uh, 16 to 17. I'll read um, yeah, from, from 16. O Lord, according to your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your prayer have become a byword among those who are around us. So listen to this, verse 17. Now therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant, to his pleas of mercy for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary which is desolate. It's hidden like that one line, really, in that massive prayer. Make your face shine upon your sanctuary. I started out, I said I wanted to pray bigger. (laughs) This guy is in the midst of seeing the empires of that day moving around. He's at the kind of heart of it, the machinations of it, working with the emperors. Surely if anyone could see how impossible a thing it was for the people of God to return to their nation, have the restoration of Jerusalem, surely it was Daniel. He's praying the impossible prayer 800 difficult miles away from home. So it's truly inspirational and to get that context from me just really brought it to life. But God, right, and Daniel, the word didn't come up in our little... uh, Um, kind of interaction at the beginning but the sovereignty of God is a massive theme throughout the book of Daniel God is in control and he's holding on to that he's absolutely holding on to that and that promise that he's got on his fridge bear with me on that analogy (laughs) that promise doesn't generate passivity 
but in the place of encounter, the promise leads to that petition, that ability to lay hold of God again and again. And he carries on. He carries on with amazing confidence. Again, it's too big a prayer to do it all justice. But verse 19, listen to this confidence. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Listen to that confidence. I'm so tentative and timid by that. He is he's stuck in the place of sin, and yet he can come and he can lay hold of God and say, Act, listen, hear. And God did, right? God really did hear. What's that mean for us? I was thinking about his cry. It's obviously to go home. It's, it's for the glory of God. But there's something really special, isn't there, about the restoration of the sanctuary. You know what? But let me get the words right. Make your face shine upon your sanctuary. I miss worship over summer. <laughs> this guy's crying out for his people to get back into the presence of God. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, so this is Simon's fault because he talked about my desire for revival when I think about this my heart starts recalling past stories past revivals I might need to come and read in a moment Sarah <laughs> and there's a deep sea to cry in me yeah. for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit yeah. and widespread widespread restoration of the worship of Jesus again. I think we might know between us the story of a couple of other 80-year-olds <laughs> from a revival. Bizarrely, it ended about 70 years ago. Do you know this one? The Hebrides revival. Is it okay if I read an excerpt from that? It just puts into words better than I can. This just translates it for me. The Hebrides revival began with two sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith. One was 84 years old and blind, and the other 82 and crippled with arthritis. They were greatly burdened because they'd been told no young person attended public worship at their church. And they decided to pray twice a week. On Tuesdays and Fridays, they got on their knees at 10 in the evening, remained there until three or four in the morning. Two old women women in a very humble cottage. Then Peggy had a vision of the church crowded with young people. They persuaded their minister to call a session. Seven men covenanted not to give rest nor peace to the Almighty until he made their Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And those men also began to meet on Tuesday and Friday nights for some months. Then one night in November, a young man began to pray, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? Sounds uh, quite similar to Daniel's prayer. He got no further. He fell into a trance and lay on the floor of the barn. And within a matter of moments, three other elders also fell into a trance. The minister and the other intercessors were gripped by a conviction that a God-sent revival must always be related to holiness and godliness. Are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? This is what happens. Awareness of God gripped the whole community. Little work was done as men and women gave themselves to thinking about eternal things and God seemed to be everywhere. 
In the little cottage, the two sisters knew God had kept his promise and told their minister to invite a missioner to come and help them. Duncan Campbell was called to lead a series of meetings. For the first week of evening meetings, little happened. But five young people found God. That'd be a good start. And then 13th of December, 1949, at the end of the meeting, all had left except Campbell and one other. And the deacon said, don't be discouraged. God is hovering over us and he'll break through any moment. I can already hear the rumbling of heaven's chariot wheels. And he began to pray before falling to the ground in a trance again. Five minutes later, the local blacksmith came back to the church and said, Mr. Campbell, something wonderful has happened. We were praying that God would pour water on the thirsty and flood, floods upon the dry grounds. And listen, he's done it. He's done it. Will you come to the door and see the crowd that's here? And even though it's 11 o'clock at night, between six and 700 people had gathered around the church. They'd been moved by a power they could not explain. A hunger and thirst gripped them. And the meeting continued to four in the morning. Strong men were bowed down and trembled at God's presence. Nearby, a dance was in progress, but the young people ran from it as though fleeing from a plague and made for church. Others had gone to bed, were woken by the Holy Spirit, got dressed and went to church. I think, I think it's as big as that, what Daniel's praying. It's time, isn't it? Isn't it not weird that's like 70 years ago? No. That's too long. I want to pray for kind of history-changing prayers. I, 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 I'm overawed by this prayer because I, I'm not doing it. I'm challenged to step into this, but I just want to go on this journey with you and just pray those big prayers, history-changing prayers. So it's a little bit of God's sense of humour as I've been praying over um, the last few months, particularly through this, this series as well. It's like this little voice that just says, John, that prayer's not big enough. And it's not a condemning thing, but it's like a little, oh, you know, it's actually really quite good to just think about what I prayed. Hang on, big God demands a big prayer. And I'm just like, okay, all right, God, I'm going to go bigger with my prayer. I'm going to go bigger with my prayer. And I I hope this, this encourages all of us on that journey. We need to kind of bring this towards something of a close but I'm loving the example of the 80-year-olds that's uh, going on here. Um, and God does answer. It's another vision which I cannot explain at the end of chapter 9. Go and have a look at it yourself. He does get an instant answer. Probably not quite what he's wanting because sadly it's just after his death before they actually come back from exile. Uh, but it does happen. He is alongside Ezra and Nehemiah. Daniel is part of the legacy of the returning people back to Jerusalem. Amazing. So for me, Daniel was an inspiration as a teenager, as a young man. And now into my more middling years, he continues. To, it's an amazing inspiration as he is there into his 80s and still holding firm that promise that he's held for his whole life and seeking God for it. So we do need to close. We'll close with the Monday morning test. Where does this leave us for tomorrow? Um, A few of us have been doing some discipleship training with um, Simon Holly. And one of the things that came out of the session on prayer was a very, very simple formula, which I'd like to leave you with. It was, if you want to pray, extraordinary prayers. Take an ordinary prayer and add something a bit extra onto it. 
And I think that's actually quite a nice summary of what Daniel's been doing here. He's, I like to think of him having his ordinary prayers. He's doing it three times a day and they probably get a little bit more tedious sometimes than others. So he adds something extra in and he's taking time with this prayer, isn't he? He's got his fridge magnet out. He's got the promise. Are there promises you should get out again and pray through? I skipped glibly over it. Verse three, what about fasting? We don't seem to do the sackcloth and ashes thing anymore. But how about fasting, a time to devote yourself? How about intercession? Is it worth taking a bit of time to, you know, the war in Ukraine or whatever it is, the, the thing that's really on your heart, to really process it before God, really give it to him? I like the fact that Daniel spent time to write this prayer out. Have you, it's a crafted prayer. It's actually a thing that he's processed and chewed through. Is that the extra that would just take you towards extraordinary prayer? And I did, this is mine, but it's good whispering. Is your prayer big enough? So where does that take you onto Monday morning? Should we just have just a 30 seconds or so just to maybe listen to what God's putting on your heart and my heart? And we'll close there. Lord Jesus, your promises don't come with a shrug of the shoulders or a maybe. They are yes. And through you, we want to commit ourselves to saying the Amen. So, would we be just encouraged from today, from what we've seen in Daniel? Let us go with the confidence he's got to say your promises are yes. And then we will join in with just a commitment to that. Amen. In your name, Jesus.